Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I just want to um, conclude this particular study and then go on to something fresh if time permits. Okay? We've been, we've been focusing um, our discussions on the necessity to meditate. And um, meditation is a lost art today. It's been stolen, I believe, by Eastern religion. Okay? Um, the Eastern religions excel in the discipline of meditation. It's such a vital part of what they do that they give the activity great prominence. Okay? And if you're involved in any kind of Eastern meditation, you have to learn to excel in the discipline of um, meditation. For them, it's the emptying of the mind, the disconnect from the world. Uh, They emphasize detachment and the disconnect from the world, the emptying of the mind to find what they call your center um, and to basically get in touch with what they call the cosmic mind. For them, um, it's the connection with some invisible hand, some invisible power, for us in the kingdom, yes, our meditation does involve some kind of detachment as well. We disconnect from the world, as it were, from worldly thoughts, worldly thinking. And not only do we empty the mind, but we are more focused on filling the mind with the truth of the word of the Lord. And I want to encourage you to start to saturate your thinking in the word of the Lord. I use the term deliberately, saturate. When something is saturated, it is literally so um, part and parcel of the element into which it is immersed that you cannot divorce or extract the element from the thing. Um, If you put a mango in mango pickle, right? Uh, You know the oil and the the mixture? Um, And you compare an unpickled mango to a pickled mango, and you submit both to analysis, microanalysis, biological analysis. Put them under a microscope to check the compositional makeup. The mango that is pickled loses its original compositional makeup, particularly if it has been pickled for a great deal of time. It loses all its original composition. It's still a mango. It's simply a pickled mango. Right? But it changes literally, literally changes in, in substance, in internal form, in character, in attributes. And God was saying, I had this thought early this morning. I actually drew it. I drew it on a piece of paper. I drew a pickle jar and I drew two mangoes, one outside the jar and one inside the jar. And I just made up my own pickle, some oil, and I put the mango in. The Lord, I was trying to visualize what God was saying to me. God was saying to me, Randolph, I need you more greatly immersed in my word. It's like what I have been doing is not sufficient enough. I need you to be far more focused than what you are. What you're doing is good. It's fine up to now. But in terms of what, you're gonna, what I require you to do and where I'm taking to you, you in the future, I'm going to need you to be pickled in my word, saturated, 
And I used, I pictured my mind, my mind, think of your brain, the two hemispheres. I pictured my mind as the mango. Take my brain, take my mind, and immerse it and saturate it within the word of the Lord so that my mind loses its Adamic natural state. And so that my compositional makeup of my thinking and my mentality is so saturated with the word that you cannot divorce. Have you ever tried to extract the pickle from the mango which has been pickled? Right? Take, try to take a mango that has been pickled, let's say for a whole year, in the jar for a whole year. You take the mango out and you want now to attempt to unpickle the mango. You will never get it right, right? It'll be literally, I, haven't, I don't know the, if it's scientifically possible, but I personally would not think so, right? Or we take a highly sophisticated process to do that, right? But I think it's literally impossible. And God was saying to me, you need to be so pickled that the word of the Lord changes your original form and construct. Amen. So you adopt a new nature. You adopt the nature of the pickle. Okay. You adopt the, the mentality of the element into which you are immersed. The element for us is the word of the Lord. Amen. I love the song we sang now. One of my favorite songs I learned years back. And um, it's when I especially learned the truth of it. My son, pay attention to my law, my word. Incline your ear. Don't be disinclined. Be inclined. Incline your ear to my saying. Let not them depart from out of your sight. Right? Some people say eyes. Some versions say eyes or sight. Keep them in the midst. The midst means center in the Hebrew. Keep them in the center of your heart or your spirit. For they are life to those that find them and they are health to all of their flesh. I really believe what's going to break the bubble of mortality and the transition towards immortality amongst many things, um, primarily um, the factor of the timing of the Lord and the designated period, all that is true, but I believe God is waiting for a generation in which the word of the Lord is so, so, uh, we're so soaked and pickled in truth that the DNA of the word in you changes your molecular structure of your body. Because they are life and, even say life, it's life to those who find them and held to all of their flesh. What does God say? I sent my word and I heal. The word, the healing and life is all vested in the power of the word of the Lord. I forget who was the reformer way, way back, a revivalist rather, who was profoundly using signs and wonders and miracles. They actually had um, dangerous bacteria and virus put on his body medically, inserted, and the virus died. The bacteria died. Uh, because I forget his name. He had, he had too much word and spirit power in him. It's a powerful place to get to, amen? So I want to encourage us. Um, the word in us and your meditation thereupon is going to be a key process for, for, for the push towards immortality. I want to encourage you to obey everything I've said to you thus far. Up to this point, I've revealed keys to you designed for your prosperity. Right? For example, I said to you, don't engage in secret private sin. Psalm, Proverbs 26 says, 
he who conceals his sin will not prosper. Simple verse should help, should, should cause you not to engage in private sin that causes you shame and embarrassment. You should stop that immediately the moment I quoted that verse. Proverbs 26, whoever conceals his sin will not prosper. Don't ever hope for prosperity if you are still engaged in sin that you need to conceal to protect yourself. It doesn't work. Hmm? It's a powerful verse of scripture there. But it says, he who confesses and forsakes his way will find compassion of the Lord. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Then also I say to you, for example, explore peace in all of your relationships. And I drew a, remember I drew the, drew the diagram that's relationship with your spiritual father, with your spouse in particular. Remember how your sacrifice loses its power? We did the whole illustration from Malachi. Have peace in all of your relationships because your prosperity will be built around your peaceful disposition. Peace internally and peace re- relationally. Okay? Peace relationally. And there were a whole lot of other kids. I'm just picking on a few um, that, that we did. I said you're not going to prosper until your soul prospers. Right? I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. And soul prosperity is prerequisite to all other forms of, pres- of prosperity. Now, this key that we're dealing with is for me one of the capstone keys. It's the height of the series on the primacy of the word. It's the point to which we are converging now as we taper off the series. God is saying to us, all that you've heard, all that you've learned from the first session up to now, this is the 28th session, you have got to consciously meditate upon it. Because it's only in the meditation of it that you are going to enjoy good success. Success's secret is easy. Success's secret is the meditation and obedience of the word of the Lord. It's very, very simple. Joshua 1, 8, Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3. There's no other formula for you to live a successful life than meditating upon the word with a view to obeying it. Right? You shall meditate, observe to do all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. I want to encourage you to live a meditative life. And I really, I want, I want to encourage you, do it. Just do it. Just start it. Don't wait for a crisis in your life. For God to teach you. You know, I would rather learn through a Bible study than to learn through a crisis. If I'm not going to learn through teaching, then what God usually does, this is how He usually works, He orchestrates events in my life um, through trial, crisis, to force me to give attention to certain things. Amen? And so I would rather learn by the hearing of the, the word of the, of the Lord. Amen? Rather learn by the hearing of the word of the Lord. And um, Liam, is that cow illustration ready? Is it, can we play it now quickly? Just to play it for you again, we play this on Wednesday evening. Um, but meditation is likened unto a cow. Tell your neighbor, hi cow. <laughs> now a cow... Please don't be offended. Let me explain. Uh, or rather, let me say it nicely. Tell your neighbor, you are a spiritual ruminant. <laughs> the word uh, ruminant is applied to animals that chew 
their, their grass, regurgitate it and chew it again. Right? Ruminate from the Latin ruminare, which means chew again, applies to these kinds of animals. There are, there are many, sheep um, and others, a whole lot, but species are, are vast. There are some animals that are not ruminants, like pigs. You know, dogs are not ruminants. Humans, you're not a ruminant. Right? We don't chew, then we bring it up again, chew it again, right? etc. Um, ruminants, by definition, have more than one digestive chamber in their stomach. Uh, cows are quite nice to study because they have four, digest, four compartments in their stomach. Right? So they chew the grass, it's swallowed in the first compartment, they bring it up right? to the forefront, they chew it again, masticate it, swallow it again to the second part, and so it goes on until it is excreted. In fact, there's the first part of the stomach. I'll show you the diagram to show you biologically. first part of it is quite large, and some writers say it's regarded as the vault where the stuff is stored. So whenever it needs it, it brings it back up again. It masticates it to extract maximum nutriment from what was chewed. For a cow, one chew is not good enough. So how is it cows? <laughs> I want to suggest to you, one chew of the word of God is not good enough. The first chew is your hearing of the word. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing. And for me, like I've said, the second hearing is the process of meditation, which must be done daily and repetitively for you to extract the entirety of the fullness of all that God is speaking to you. Do you know God can speak to you way beyond what He's heard? You'll hear it. I even, I even believe this. God will speak to you way beyond the intentions of the speaker. If I share a principle with you, and you, you choose to be a ruminant. Now the word ruminate is derived from ruminate, the Latin. And ruminate means to meditate, to ponder, to reflect upon. So the first time you hear it, and, and, and you, you, you can, God can reveal things to you in the process of meditation, way beyond the intention of He who delivered the word to you. David said this, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? Because thy words are my meditation. Now, obviously, the student will never be greater than the teacher. That's a biblical principle. Jesus said that. The student is not greater than the, the teacher. But the student can learn more than the teacher, even though he's not greater than the teacher. Right? It's like David's mighty men are doing him, yet they are submitted to him. In that context that Jesus speak. But G David said this, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why? Because your words are my meditation. Do you know, if you take the whole of Jesus and you meditate upon it, do you know that there is stuff in there? In that one manual, there's probably about 20 other manuals waiting to be written. Just offshoots from that. If we take the time to ruminate, to chew the cud. Tell you never chew the cud. I like one writer said, he said, the word of God is never meant to be fast food. The word of God requires a long, slow, and thoughtful chew. Amen? 
This is not a fast food thing where you can... Many people treat churches like it's a fast food outlet. Do you know that? We come, we park, get our fix, and we're gone. Come and park. And that's, that's the sum total of, the, of all the word we've heard. It's just what the preacher said to the word that Sunday. Nothing more, nothing less. And as we go in the week, there's no rehearsal. There's no stoppage. A conscious reflection on what we have, on what we have heard. Just listen to this. Joseph Prince was in Israel with some pastors. And just quickly, we'll do this quickly. For all the lusciousness, for all the provisions, you are so, you are so lost in God's goodness and blessings, you don't see when heat comes. You don't feel it. Amen. Whereas the cursed man, he feels every bad thing and cannot even see good, even though the good comes. The good does come, it's life. So you can choose which man you want. And the Bible tells me very clearly how to trust in the Lord by meditating on His Word. Day and night. Alright? If you're believing God for provisions, there are so many verses down here. Like I said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack itself. It's already powerful enough. And meditate. Don't say, I know that verse, I know that verse. Eat. Just because you ate chicken rice last week on Monday, doesn't mean you won't eat chicken rice again. Because what is good for Monday was good for Monday. You still need the word again. Meditate on it. Because don't assume you know the scriptures. Meditate. Can I have a good amen? Guys, those moments where nothing is happening, you can just bring it up again. Like a cow chewing the cud. Let me close with this cow here. All right, I saw this cow in Israel as God was, medit- God was showing me. Now this cow is grazing. All right, this is our picture by the way. We came down Mount Arabel. We saw this, this cow's grazing. Okay, and God spoke to me. These are your church people. <laughs> God says, this is what they do every Sunday. You give them the green grass, they eat. You give them the green grass, second service, they eat. Alright? But many, many don't meditate. Now what happened is that we, we were coming down. Me and my pastors were coming down from Mount Arbel, that very high mountain in Galilee, overlooking the Lake of Galilee. Alright? As we came down, before we came down to this portion here, we saw a cow in a cave. Now, how come the cow went up there in a cave? We don't know. But there was one solitary cow. Do we have the picture of the solitary cow? There he is. Now this video was taken by, by Patrick. Right Patrick? You took this video. Alright? And I told Patrick to take this video. Look at how the cow regurgitates. Look at it. Look at his face. Any resemblance with our church people is purely coincidental. Alright? Come on, take a look at the Pastor Mark. Okay. He swallowed. He brings up again. He chews. Chewing, 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 chewing. He swallows again. He swallows it. Alright, he chew, 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 chew. He stops for a while. Alright, he regurgitates. Okay? And we counted the number of times he chewed. Alright? Start all over again. Start all over again. Okay? Alright, he's chewing, chewing, chewing. Alright, then he stops. There, there, he swallowed. He regurgitates. Up again, chewing again. Alright? Okay, stop. Thank you. Let me close it. Did you see the stomach move there? Um, as it sort of brings up again um, the cud and it chews it, masticated and swallows it back. And that process happens repeatedly. I shared with you in the notes, dairy cows uh, chew the cud for at least eight hours a day. Something up to 30,000 chews. Okay? And, but sons of God take the word and they hear it once and they don't ruminate like this ruminant. They don't uh, go over it and you know, this requires time, eh? I said, you know, it's, 
This is a this is time consuming, but it's certainly not time wasting. Alright? Instead of plonking yourself in front of your TV like you normally do. You know, your life is so scheduled. There are some people you can tell exactly what they will be doing at certain hours on certain days. Why? Because that's how we live life. But for you to get to where God is calling this church to go, you're going to have to carve out time where you literally, for some of you, if fellowship, you're so, not, let me say fellowship, you're socializing with other people, should take secondary priority for your need for you to fellowship alone with the Word of God. Hmm? And to meditate. Think about this. Yes, I believe in socializing. I'm committed to it. I believe in fellowshipping with other believers, and I am committed to it. But I will never allow that to supersede my need for personal time, powerful time, um, in the word of the Lord, both in the study and the meditation upon that, that word. Okay? If you want to review your life and you ask yourself this, if we continue like we have been doing for years, and if what we've been doing for years has not brought us the breakthrough we desire, surely we have to change something. Surely something must alter. And I really believe, I, you know, I'm believing that, who believes the Bible? We get many unbelieving believers. Right? Who's a believer? Right? Who has faith? Who believes Joshua 1 8? Who believes Psalm 1 verse 2 and 3? I don't want that simply to be scriptures we quote. That must be life experience. We must come to a place of success and productivity in the word of the Lord. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to meditate. Meditate, meditate. Now go to Isaiah 55, it's on page 2 or page 4 of your notes if you have it. I'm, I'm beginning to find um, God is speaking so much more clearer as I meditate upon His Word. Absolutely clear, the speaking of the Lord. Amen? And I hope it's your experience as well. Amen. I hope it's your experience that you're hearing the voice of the Lord much more clearer. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. Right? For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, God speaking about ways and thoughts from verses 6 to verse 9. Everyone say ways and thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than, than yours. Right? And notice the import in verse 6 is this. The imperative rather. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Watch. 
Let what? Let the wicked do what? Let the wicked forsake his way. The unrighteous man must forsake what? Come on, answer me. Say his thoughts. So, the, the wicked man must forsake two things. His ways and his thoughts. He is called upon to seek God. Verse 6. Seek and call. And at the latter part of verse 7. Let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion. Now I want to ask you the question. How is this man, how are we to seek God? And to return to the Lord. And I hear the cry of the Lord. Sons, return to me. Come and seek me. I told you, like God said through Moses to Pharaoh without Israel in Egyptian bondage. God said, say to Moses or say to Pharaoh, let my people go that they might worship me. Let my people go, some version say, that they might serve me. God is equally saying to this generation, let my people meditate that they might obey me. I'm telling you, we are shackled by an Egyptian Babylonian system of life that leaves no time for the, the meditative life, for imaginative reflection, right? for creative thinking in God. You know what, what I can see happening in this process God's going to give you witty ideas. God's going to give you inventions. When I was dying, I've left the last segment, the most sort of uh, uh, best, I think, part of the study for last. We will talk about the outcome of meditation. But one of the outcomes, you know what Joshua God said? Listen, this book of the law shall not depart from out of your mouth. Remember, Hagar means to mutter, to mutter in soft undertones. But thou shalt, Hagar, meditate upon when? Day and night, perpetually. So that you might observe to do all that is written therein. For then, everyone say for then. You'll make your way salah salia, prosperous. Salak, salik, actually, because it's the adjective, not prosperity, prosperous. You'll make your way prosperous. And then he says, and you will have sakah. Good success, translated in that verse, meaning sakah. I'm telling you, God, I believe through this process, is going to bless us with witty inventions, creative ideas. The wisdom that Leo spoke about a few weeks ago will be ours. God needs a mind to work his purposes. The devil also needs a mind. I'll share with you later. Both God and the devil simply need a mind to work with. Right? And I'm telling you, God's going to fill you, um, your mind with witty inventions, with wisdom. With wisdom, with right actions, right? I will fill your mind with sakal, with witty inventions, creative ideas. I really believe God will show you a way out. God will direct your paths. The Lord, your shepherd, will direct you when you choose to meditate upon His word. Back to Isaiah 55. How is the unrighteous man to seek God? How is he to forsake his way how are you and i to return to the lord it says two things forsake his way and forsake his thoughts let the wicked forsake his way right and the unrighteous man his his thoughts 
Right? Now we can apply this to you and I. Right? Now listen carefully. Those two verses tell me simply, the state of your mind will tell me whether or not you are seeking God. The state of your thinking, quality of your thought life, uh, is revelation to me of whether you are actively seeking God. Listen carefully. God is saying, here are my thoughts. Here's your thoughts. I want my thoughts to be your thoughts because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For, your, for my thoughts to be your thoughts, I need to replace your thoughts with my way of thinking. My thoughts need to invade your thoughts. Now listen to me very carefully. What are these thoughts? You know, the word of God, listen carefully, are basically the thoughts of God in human language. Say it again. The word of God is basically the thoughts of God couched, embellished in human language. The intent is not simply communication. God doesn't use language like English or Chinese or whichever. Oh, by the way, God doesn't speak any of those. <laughs> okay. We often understand when I say words, don't, I'm not, don't, although we're English-speaking people, don't think in terms of a language. Yes, we will use it to understand, to make intelligible what we read. But the thoughts of God are, is the word of God. For us, couched in human language to make it understandable. If I use language to communicate, it's fine. But God's use of word is not simply to communicate. God's use of word is so that he can transfer of himself to you. That's why he said the words I speak are what? The words I speak are spirit and they are life. Spirit comes to you couched in words. The words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So the word of God is the thoughts of God. How else are you going to get God's thoughts to be your thoughts if you neglect his word that contains his mind? The word of God is the mind of God. Remember the, the, the Greek word logos, the intelligence of God, right? It's basically all the thought processes of God vested, embedded, and hidden within his word. Now, listen carefully. Uh, Matthew shared, by the way, Matthew shared Jeremiah 4, verse 10. Is it? I wrote it down somewhere. 14. Jeremiah 4, 14. It says, Wash your heart from evil, O Jerusalem, that you might be saved. How long will wicked thoughts lodge within you? Right? So a thought lodges. And when something is lodged, it is set. We actually use the word uh, in English, mind set. Right? What does mind... Have you ever set your feet in cement and stayed there until it dried? Right? <laughs> what you will be set in that cement set that has dried. Right? So you, we never use the word mindset or something set. You have this idea of something immovable, impregnable almost. That's gonna, and if you are stuck in, in dried concrete, what does it take to remove you from that? What are you going to have to do? Break the concrete. Not, don't break your leg, please. Or cut your, leave your leg there. Break the concrete. That's why the apostolic is about breaking mindsets. Thought patterns that have become so entrenched 
They are lodged there so deeply, it's going to take an apostolic anointing to change. That's why Paul would say this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, subjecting every thought and imagination to the obedience of Christ. Okay? So God says, I need to dislodge. Okay, even when they dislodge your wicked thoughts. God is saying, this is a prophetic word to this house and to me. God is saying, Randolph, and for you here, you have some wicked thoughts. You have some unrighteous thoughts. My thoughts are higher than what you are thinking now. Come up and elevate to a new level of thinking. I need some thoughts in you. Let me just say this. Wickedness, unrighteous thoughts. You might, I'm not thinking in overt evil here. If you are thinking contrary to God, you have an evil thought. Right? Peter, when Jesus revealed his identity to him, and Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that, but my Father which is in heaven. Remember, immediately after Peter knew who Jesus was, and Jesus revealed the fact that he must die, and suffer. What did Peter say? Be it far from you, Lord. You cannot die. What is Peter? Peter's using words. Be it far from you, Lord. His thoughts are contained in his words. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when Jesus looks at him, he's hearing words that reflect Peter's mindset. That he needed to change. So what did Jesus say to him? Get Thee behind me, Satan, for you are an offense unto me, for you savor. I'll, I'll look at this closely later on. Everyone say savor. Quoting King James here. For you savor. The word savor means to dwell the mind upon. For you savor the things that be of men and not the things that be of God. Right now, Peter, you're dwelling on man's thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. That is an unrighteous thought that Peter had right there. And let me just say this. I believe Peter's motivation was honorable. He wasn't being overtly evil as we know it. I believe Peter's intention was, how can our Lord die? No, I must do everything to protect you. But it just proves that even counsel given from the basis of concern and empathy, if not properly under the eye of God, could miss the will of God, because now I'm counseling out of feeling sorry for you, then counseling you out of revealing the will of God by His word for you. Hmm? And now, so Jesus said to Peter, let me just say it in, in nice terms. Okay? Jesus saying, fine Peter, I accept your concern. He didn't say this. I'm the nice Jesus. <laughs> Jesus maybe could have said it like this. Peter's fine. Right? I accept your concern. You don't want me to die. But, actually your concern is simply now a reflection of a satanic thought. So be it far from me. I rebuke you, Satan. Imagine. Theologians call this the law of double reference. Talking to a person, talking to Peter, but addressing the spirit that's influencing his mind. I'm talking to Peter. I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. 
you are a stumbling block, an offense. You know what the word offense means in the Greek? Scandalon. Get from the word scandal, the English word. It was used to describe the bait that was used to attach to a trap of any kind, to trap an animal. What Jesus was saying to Peter is, Peter, from your thought, I recognize the bait of Satan to me, not to go to the cross. Right? But I say, get behind me, Satan. Right? For you an offense unto me, then to Peter, you savor the things that are not of God, but the things that be of the things that be of men. My cry perpetually for my own life and for you is that every sort of thought we have, every suggestion we might make to ourselves, to our family, to people, must always be reflective of the will of the Lord. For that to happen, you can't be used by God to give counsel or even offer an opinion about something. You know, when you haven't been meditating the whole year, you don't open your Bible once, but you want to offer an opinion about something spiritual. Then you are in a most dangerous position for your mind to be used by Satan for any satanic insertion of a thought that is not of God. Now the opposite is true. The more you fill your mind with the principles of the word of the Lord, guess what? You are the ideal candidate for God to use that mind to reflect His will. Amen? You are the ideal candidate for that process. But how does this take place? Look at what, look at what it says in Isaiah 55 again. Verse 10 and 11 says, For as the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and does not return without watering the earth and make it bare and sprout, and furnishes seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word that goes forth from my mouth. Notice God is talking about thoughts and ways, and He comes to His word. His word contains His thoughts, and His word contains His ways. So shall my word. It will not, uh, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I have, for which I have, I have sent it. And so I want to encourage you to meditate. Because in meditating upon the word of the Lord, what happens is, you subject your thoughts to the thoughts of God. And I'll show you this later in, in, the, in, in the series. Um, your thinking is subjected to the thinking of God. Uh, your brain is washed. You literally become brainwashed in a good sense. Right? Your thinking is cleansed. Your soul is purified as you receive the word of the Lord. His ways become your ways. His thoughts become your thoughts. What is the disparity right now for your own life? Think with me. What is the point of departure away from your thoughts mirroring the thoughts of God? What is the gap between your thinking and God's view on a thing? Right? If you have an opinion about a person, think about this. Let's be practical. If you have a view about a circumstance, an event, or a person, and you maybe over lunch you express, or to your wife or to a friend, you talk about the, the issue of the person, and you express the opinion or express the view. Think about this. The probability that that view being so far from how God views the matter. Think about the possibility. 
You know, this, 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 this portion of Scripture is always a sober reminder. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Listen carefully. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways above your thoughts. Uh, uh, your ways, my thoughts above your thoughts. And then immediately, he says, listen carefully, immediately, for as the rain falls down and the snow from heaven, waters the earth and causes its growth, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will never return to me void, but it will always accomplish the purpose for which I have sent it. Contextually, in context, the purpose for which he sent it was to align your thoughts to, to his thoughts. Right? It's to bring his thoughts and align it, your thoughts, and align it to his thoughts. Wicked thoughts have got to be dislodged. Right? Humanistic thinking, new age thinking, secular thinking have, have got to be dislodged. Right? Remember in 2 Corinthians we said we can have the mind of Christ. We can know the thoughts of God. He, the Spirit, has been given to us. Remember the famous verse that says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. Next verse. But by the Spirit, we can know the things that are freely given to us. He, the Spirit of truth, when He comes, He comes to reveal the intent and the mind of God to us so that we can know the view of God on any given matter. Amen? We can know the view of God on any given matter. God wants your mind. And I urge you to reclaim your mind. Don't let it wander. Don't, um, you know, our minds uh, uh, wander so easily. Um, people don't, don't arrest their thoughts. Think about when you pray, eh? how often have you have to jerk yourself back now it's prayer time. You, you, you sit yourself, you're thinking about the roast, if you're a, a lady and you're cooking. Or you're thinking about the assignment that's due. Or you're thinking about a person, an event. And you even, listen carefully, even when you pray in tongues, I want to ask, ask you this. It's not just hikara baba shundere and you're walking around your office, I don't walk in my room, hikara baba, and your mind is fruitless. While you don't intelligibly understand what you are saying, whenever I pray in tongues, I will focus on an object for prayer. If I'm praying for Renee and I'm Kurababa, I can't be thinking of Turkey at that time praying for that nation. Right? I'm not saying you're a Turkey. <laughs> I focus on the object for which I am praying and I pray in tongues. And I don't let my mind depart from that object even while I'm praying in tongues. Amen? Train your mind to be disciplined and don't let it wander aimlessly. Right? Don't let it wander. You, uh, when Adam sinned, he lost his mind. He needs to be reminded. The restoration of the mind of God to the intention of God for man. Amen? That's why scripture memorization is so, so important. The filling of the mind with the word of the Lord. One thing I encouraged you to do, which I, I want to just stress again. I encourage you, and I have been doing this, to pray in tongues every day. Okay, if you obeyed me since the time the instruction was given by now, it's a feature of your life. Something you do almost reflexively. It's very important that you do that. Secondly, recently I've been encouraging you, start to consciously meditate upon the word of the Lord. Think 
deeply, uh, bring it up, regurgitate like the cow, ruminate, um, mutter it under your, your breath. Um, think about it and try and do this as consistently and daily as possible. Let it be so part and parcel of your reflexive nature. And recently I said, when you sleep, let your last dominant thought be a verse of scripture, a scriptural principle, some aspect of the ways or the deeds or the nature of God that you were busy reflecting on. Let that be your last dominant thought before you sleep. Now, you know when you sleep, you're still alive. You're not dead. Although some of you sleep like you're dead. Right? The brain is still very, very active. Google it, brain activity while sleeping. Google it and see how scientists chart brain activity of one who is awake versus brain activity of one that is asleep. The brain and the mind never stops working. They call it the subconscious mind or the, the unconscious mind. Right? That's where you start to dream, etc. And usually, for most soulish dreams, the events of your day will tell you what kind of dreams you're going to have at night. Right? Usually, sometimes spiritual dreams where God will start to speak to you in a dream. And I'll show you a beautiful verse in Job next week in reference to this. Okay? But uh, what, I, what, I, what I found is that my mind is always working. And so what I'm trying to do is to meditate so often, so long, and particularly just before I sleep, so that my last dominant thought becomes the dominant influence even in my sleep. Right? Now go to Proverbs chapter 6. I, I, I share this verse with you via the WhatsApp group. 620. Uh, early on we quoted Proverbs 420. Eh? My son, pay attention. Easy to remember these. You must see some patterns when you try to memorize scripture. There's the 420s, now we're getting to the 620. 420 to 22, now 620 to 23. Beautiful passages of scripture. It says, my son... Observe the command of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Just stop there. When is the commandment forsaken? According to that verse. Observe the commandment and do not forsake the teaching. So when is the commandment forsaken? The commandment is forsaken simply when it's not observed. Read the scripture backwards. Remember we said to you that God is forgotten when His principles are no longer adhered to? Right? You forget God, you factor Him out of your thinking whenever you disobey. Now, bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk. What will talk? Commandments of your father will talk to you. Nobody should not have a friend. <laughs> the commandments and the principles you hear should be talking to you all the time. Amen? Have you ever heard my voice in your head at some stage? I hear Thamo's voice I'm made all the time. It's like, and notice, and I will painstakingly take my time to demonstrate this next week Sunday. When I meditate, here's a key, a clue. When I meditate, 
I can meditate out of my own study, my own personal reading daily. I can and I must do that. That has a place. But it is my view that the bulk of my meditation has got to be focused upon the subject matter released by my spiritual father in the Lord. And I'll demonstrate this to you from countless numbers of scriptures. We'll do that as a focus next week. Uh, we'll, use, we'll kick off from the portion where Paul said this to Timothy. My son, consider what I say. And the word consider is to meditate. Meditate, think upon what I say, not on what he said. Listen carefully. What I find in many households of faith, Many people are meditating on what their brother in the Lord said. His opinion. No. You consider what your father in the Lord has said. Paul said, consider what I say. And the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Notice who gives understanding? Who does the considering? Now let's look at Paul, Timothy, the Lord. Okay, Three persons involved. Let me ask you this. Who does the talking or the instruction? Paul. Who does the listening? Timothy. What must the listener do? Consider what? Consider what the speaker Paul has said. And who gives understanding? The Lord will only give understanding to you when you consider what your father in the Lord has said. It's very simple to me. Right? It's amazing, eh? That's First Timothy 4. Consider what, sorry, first, um, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, I think, thereabouts. Consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Right? So, why is it so important for me every Monday and every Tuesday? By the Tuesday, I already got what Thamo said on the Sunday. Got it in my system at Santon. Got it in my mind. By that stage, I've listened to it twice already, at least. What am I doing? I'll never dismiss the view of my father on anything. So what do I do? I consciously take it and I put it into my mind and my spirit. I meditate upon it. I try to remember short phrases that he said. I remember the gist of the message. I try and memorize the scriptural portions. I mutter them under the sound of my breath. And listen carefully. It's amazing. The Lord has opened my understanding of so much that my spiritual father in the Lord has said. Why? Sometimes on the first hearing, I'll sit in the school and I'll say, sure, what on earth am I hearing? It's not making sense. But my spirit is saying, yes, my soul is, is lagging behind. But as I go and I reflect, I ruminate. I'm like a cow in my cave on some... I mounted and I bring it back up. I consult my notes. Uh, do you know the ESIM series on prosperity of the soul? The one segment we did on rest as an expression of peace, remember? All of that is an outflow of one session my spiritual father did at an apostolic school of ministry. The Lord busts my understanding open simply because taken the time to consider what the Lord told him to say to us about the principle of rest. Now guess what? 
Our Father in the Lord is releasing truths about the firstborn principle. This is going to become a powerful, powerful principle of operation this whole year. You're going to see it becoming all-pervasive. It's, going to be, it's a fresh word released from apostles that sought the mind of God. What do spiritual sons who are connected truly do? Consider. Everyone say consider. Consider what he says. And the Lord will give you understanding in, in all things. You know, um, you can forsake what your spiritual father says. You can dismiss it, think it inconsequential, uh, just another word. But I want to encourage you to take seriously everything you are taught. You know why? It's, it's going to open your understanding even beyond what he's taught. Peter's, Paul said to Timothy, the Lord will give you understanding, not just in what I say. He said, the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Consider what I say. The Lord, I'm like a gateway, Paul is saying, uh, into a realm of understanding for you to explore further. Amen? So give you understanding in, in all things. Then it says, bind them continually on your heart, verse 21. Tie them around your neck, Proverbs 6, verse 22. When you, when you walk about, they will guide you. And when you sleep, this is what I like, when you sleep. They will watch over you, and when you awake, they will talk to you. Ever felt God talk to you through the Word? Right? So what I've been practicing recently, um, Renee, on, I think it was on Friday evening, was, was her subject of a meditation on Friday was exactly Isaiah 32, 15 and 16. And she got up bubbling and all excited, she got up with the dominant thought and further insight into that scripture and she shared it with me. Right? While, you know what? You know what has, have any of you who are qualified licensed drivers, when you jump into your car, do you say, now I'm going to open the, put the key in the car, I'm going to open the door, I'm going to sit down nicely, watch myself, won't get hurt, close the door, take this key, put it into the ignition, don't turn it to the left, turn it to the right so the car comes on, make sure my clutch is in, or at least the, the, the lever is in neutral, and then I'm going to count to 10 before I put it into first gear, I'm going to lift the clutch up slowly, place the accelerator so that the car moves forward. I'm going to count to 10. Once 10, I'm going to put it into second gear again. Maybe third, I'm going to freeway. There's a corner coming up. I'm going to declutch, come down to third, and I'm going to take the corner in second. Do you consciously think about these things? Why don't you think about it? Those are reflexive actions. In other words, you've done it so often. It's in you. The, your, the psychologists call it the activity of the subconscious mind, even when the person is awake and conscious. It's some conscious activity that kick in without you actually having to think about it. Uh, Sean Blicknell calls this scarring the mind with the truth of God's word. You know, I have some scars. We all have scars on our bodies, eh? I got some scars from playing in Strachens. Who remembers Strachens in Meerwind? Wentworth. There was a bush there we called Strachens. And near, near, near the, the, the race course there. Right? And I still got marks as boys growing up. We lived right there. It was right at the back of our house. That was our cowboys and crooks playing field. We played all sorts of games of bottles and briars and thorns. And we've come out bearing many scars. Eh? 
uh, and a scar testifies to an event. <laughs> uh, I like what Sean says, you must scar your mind with the truth of God's word. Let there be evidence in your subconscious that a principle has been laid. So that when, when you are engaged in some context where the principle needs to kick in, you almost do it without thinking. Because now it becomes so part and parcel of everything that you, you represent. I like what this version says. Listen carefully, verse 22. It says, they will watch over you. What watches over you? The instructions of your father will watch over you. He never sleeps, neither does he slumber. Right? And I pray, God, uh, be engaged with my spirit, man, even as I sleep. Let the principles of your word watch over me. Um, let them marinate and pickle even my mind further in your truth. So that when I awake, it still has something to say to me that was not said previously. And there's further and further and deeper and deeper illumination concerning God's word. Right? For the commandment is a lamp. And his teaching is the light. And the reproofs for discipline are the, are the way of life. Now Psalm 139 says the following. Verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts toward me. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, he says, I am still with you. Right? So the psalmist says, how vast are your thoughts toward me, O God? I said, how do you know God's thoughts toward you through His Word? Right? His Word are His thoughts couched in human language. And the psalmist says, how vast are your thoughts? They are innumerable as the sand. Right? That is how much God thinks of you. And let me just say this, all the thoughts of God for you or of you are hidden in His Word. The more his thoughts become your thoughts, the more you unlock of yourself hidden in the scripture. Jesus said, it is written of me in the volume of the book I come. You are hidden in the word. He's hidden you, your destiny, in his word. Right? You want a word from God, read his logos. Read his word. And marry that with conscious reflection upon the words released to you by your spiritual father in the Lord. That's why CDs are so important. Reflection is so, so important. The Lord will give you understanding concerning, concerning, concerning all things. Now, a word of caution. A word of caution. Go to John 13 quickly. I know this is not part of your notes, but I just feel to go this way now. We'll take five minutes and then we'll be done. John 13 and verses 1 and 2. Who betrayed Jesus? Who was the disciple? Young people? Judas. All right, what was the price on Jesus' head? How much was the betrayal? 30 pieces of silver. Betrayed him, right? Um, why Judas and not Mark? Why Judas, not Matthew? Why Judas... Not Nathaniel. Why Judas not John? Why Judas not Peter? Why Judas? Ask your neighbor, why this man? Let me show you the danger of leaving your mind outside 
of the speaking or, or the, 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 the marinating of your mind in the word of the one that God positioned in your midst to speak the word of life. You know, when, when, when I often think of Judah, of Judas, how can you? That's what I want to ask you. How can you do such a thing when you walked with the man for three solid years? This is not a Johnny come lately. This is a man that was there from the very beginning. You walked, you heard, you were every Jesus of Jesus. You enrolled in Jesus' Bible school. You heard every sermon. You, you virtually saw lots of miraculous works. You saw the Son of God. You heard the confession of Peter. This is the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living. You knew His divinity. How come you are, you are in the midst of such profound revelation, such immense grace, identity, unquestionable, mandate, indisputable, and yet you can still do the wrong thing. And you suffer suicide and your guts fall. You know Judas, when they hung him, his guts were spilled, remember? Uh, David said this, you desire what? Truth in the inward parts. So the spilling of Judas's guts demonstrates an inability to contain truth. You can be in the midst of truth and reject it and suffer shipwreck. You know? And this, this verse tells us what happened to Judas. It says, uh, John 13, verse 1 and 2. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I just love the statement. You know, when I, when I read this early this morning, I didn't go to verse 2. I said, oh, yes, sila. Sila. I'll explain what sila means. A fantastic word in the Psalms. Stop, pause, reflect on what you have read. The Bible says Jesus loved them, his disciples, to the end. Amen. I want to I give you a commitment from Renee and I, all of you. We will love you until the end. But from the bottom of our hearts. We will love you no matter what you go through. We will love you no matter what experience. When I read this, um, I actually said, wow, W-O-W. Jesus, you love these guys until the very end. With all of their nonsense sometimes. <laughs> he loved them. Right? Um, you know, love suffers long. <laughs> it says love suffers long. <laughs> Amen? Just tell a few people around you, I will love you till the end. I want to tell someone, I will love you until the end. You know? You've got to really, you know, it took sell. That's why I say the goal of all commandment. Paul said this in Timothy, the end goal of all commandment is love out of a pure heart. The height of divine nature is to love unconditionally. And I, I say genuinely to all of you, we will, this is a commitment, I'm not just affirming something, I'm, I'm creating a witness in the spirit about this principle over your life. Right? We will love you until the end. That's a commitment from us, from our hearts to you. We will never cease loving you. Now, you know, to that kind of love, Judas still reacts. And he betrays the one who even loves to the bitter end. Right? How can you? 
during supper, the devil already having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. You even have Simon as a father. Simon or Simeon means to hear. You even discount your prophetic destiny. Now the Bible says, some versions say it like this. Before supper, remember the thing for the Passover. So there was going to be a celebration of the Passover, the wine and the, like we do here, the body of the Lord was going to be celebrated. You know the story uh, when Jesus finally again said, think about the third time, one of you here is a betrayer. And um, G- Judas hastened, he gave him the best part of the sop, and Judas hastened to get out of the meeting. Remember it says? And you did, you know, listen carefully, Jesus didn't even reveal what he was going to do. The other disciples didn't know where he was going. John the writer says he was going to betray him. And Judas, Judas left with quickness or speed or immediacy and went to betray him. One of the writers says some of the other disciples thought he was going to do something in reference to the money bags. Because nobody normally did. You know? Going on some errand. Jesus loved Judas to the end that he didn't even reveal to those closest to him his true nature. That's love. The Bible says love covers. Hmm? Do you want to do this? Love covers a multitude of sins. The word cover there means to hinder knowledge of. We're so quick to talk about people's issues. The height, I know that you truly love. When I think of Jesus, three years kept the intentions of Judas away from the rest of the group. And even at the point of his betrayal, when he finally went, you know what some modern Pentecostal charismatic church leaders would have done? Guys, let me tell you, this is the guy, this is going to happen. Jesus knew he was going to betray him. It was Judas all along. Even at that point, the verse still hits my spirit and Jesus loved him until the end. You know? Jesus loved them until the end. But the point I want to make is this. It says, Satan, having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. Who put the thought in Judas' heart? Satan. You must be careful, I call it, satanic insertions in the mind. It happened even with Peter. Eh? Flesh, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you. But next statement, get thee behind me, Satan. You and a fence. The one moment Peter was influenced by the Father in terms of revelation, in the very next sentence, is influenced by Satan. You can go to, in one sentence, influenced by the Father, and your next sentence, influenced by Satan. Our, our cry must be, God, make our minds, our ways, and our thoughts so much like your thoughts, that we consistently reflect your mind and your view on all things. Do you remember what Jesus said in John, John 4? The prince of this world has come, and he has what? Come on, say it with me. He has nothing in me. Remember I taught you when we did this, this, this lesson in Jesus, the word has is echo in the Greek. And the word has means a possession in the mind that brings affinity to something. 
So there's no affinity between Jesus and Satan. The prince of this world has come and Jesus says, there's nothing in me that's akin to him. There's nothing in me that can link me to him. There's nothing in me that makes us compatible. There's nothing in me. Listen carefully. And the word echo, come on, say it again, echo. I want to get this into your mind. The word echo means a possession in the mind. What Jesus was saying, literally guys, Satan can only have a hold on me if in my mind there's a thought pattern that he can use. Satan cannot work outside of your thought patterns. He needs your mind to work. Right? Remember Ephesians 4 we said, give no room for the devil. Give no opportunity. Remember topos, the Greek word, means basically to get leverage, a foothold, from which further advance can be made. Remember, remember, remember this concept? And now listen to me what I believe happened to Judas. You can be hearing the word every week, every day in his case, seeing the miraculous every day, but not chewing the cud. Every day, not chewing the cud. What then happens is, your mind becomes fertile ground for the enemy to make an insertion that the mind has got no reference point to check it. Has, has got no God to bring. That's why Paul says, we bring every thought into sub. It's not, listen carefully. You do think bad thoughts. Anyone here? Come on, no, don't be religious now. You all think bad thoughts at times. You all think thoughts not from God at times. But what must you do when those thoughts come in? When those thoughts come in, this conviction, you immediately know this is violating the truth of a thought I already have there concerning what is right. right? And so Paul says, we bring into subjection every thought to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why Isaiah 55 is so important. Let the wicked do what to his thoughts? Forsake his thoughts. Right? Forsake his ways. Right? As the rain falls down and the snow from heaven waters the earth and brings forth new growth, so shall my word which goes Notice it's not just any word, it's proceeding word. It's word that is currently coming forth. Proceeding word coming forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish the thing for which I have prepared for it. Amen? Write this reference down somewhere. Right at the back of your notes, I think there's a section there on the love for the word. I think you're the last page. You've got some verses there about loving the word of the Lord. Remember? Just add this in to the, to the package there. You got Psalm 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all of the day. Add verse, I think it's verse 48. I don't have it yet. Verse 48 says this. It says, I will lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love. Can somebody check this? Is it? Somebody with the Bible? Is it? What does it say? Verse 48 I will lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Everyone do this. You know, it's like, a, a, this, we ever wrote this psalm, I don't know who it was, David, it's not sure who it was David, I think it was, whoever wrote the psalm, it says, I will, in praise, I will lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate upon your statutes. I share this with you, you can't meditate upon that which you do not, 
love. What did Mary do? She treasured the things in her heart. And then she did what? She pondered. You can't ponder on that which you don't treasure. If I say this to you, sure, I love Renee so much that, and I stop. What, what are you expecting to hear? Something else. Not so? If you say, I love my job so much I could. Hey? I hope you're saying, I love my spiritual father so much I will. <laughs> or I love, uh, whatever, I love golf so much I could. Right now, I love Durban beachfront so much I could go for a dip. Right? You can't say, oh, how I love thy law and stop. You see, how much you love the law is reflected by what follows. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation. Meditation, listen carefully, is the indication of and the expression of one's love for the word of the Lord. Meditation indicates love for the word is present. And love for the word is expressed. May your mind be reclaimed. I'm after the reclamation of the mind. Stand with me. I'm saying, God, my mind belongs to me. I will not allow it, uh, uh, I will not give it over to Satan to be used for his purposes. Eh? I am renewed daily, Romans 12 says, in my mind. And so I am transformed. As a man thinks, so easy. You will never amount to more than your thought processes. Whatever's in your mind, let me say it like this rather. Whatever is in your mind is in your future. If it's in your head, guaranteed to be in your world. Right? If it's in your mind, it's in your future. So why not saturate, pickle, marinate your mind? Let me say it correctly. Marinate your mind in the marinade of the truth. <laughs> Amen? Become pickle for God. Amen? Lift up your hands to the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. As the rain falls down and the snow from heaven waters the earth and brings forth growth, so shall the word that goes forth from your mouth, it will not return void to you, but it will accomplish the thing for which you have sent it. It shall surely prosper. Such is your word. Your word is like rain. And we heard last week, Father, that when we disobey, the rain becomes powder and the heavens, are, the heavens become shut. I pray, O oh God, that the rain which rains down your thoughts to us would fall upon the fertile ground of our minds, the condition of our hearts, and cause growth. I pray of your principles, of your ways, and of your precepts. Father, I pray for every mind. I pray, God, especially for those of us that forsake the word that forget the word of their spiritual father and forsake it and dismiss it. I pray be gracious. I pray there'll be no Judas among us. When at a time of Passover, which, brought, which brings with it immunity and protection, that Judas suffers casualty. At a time when he should be protected, he suffers death. I ask in Jesus' name, we ask, O oh God, that our minds... Be used for your purposes and for your purposes only. Here's my mind. Here are my thoughts. 
Here's my mindset, Father. Change it where it needs changing and tweaking. But use my mind for your glory. May I be renewed in the spirit of my mind, as your word declares. Father, we, we, we posture our minds and our lives for great things. We forsake unrighteous thoughts. We put away wicked ways. Put them away. We want to evidence our seeking of you by the state of our minds. May my mind always be filled with thy law. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all of the day. I thank you that my way will be prosperous. I thank you that I will have good success. I thank you that as I constantly think upon your word, that is the context in which you will direct my paths. That's the context in which you'll give me witty ideas. You're able to insert God ideas, creative ideas, just like Satan entered the heart of Judas to betray you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to enter our minds, enter my heart, enter my world, enter my mind. Put thoughts in there, put ideas, put uh, things I should pursue. You, Holy Spirit, we give you open access. As we read your word, insert the thought that becomes a habit, that becomes a character, that becomes a destiny, that becomes a lifestyle. We open our minds for the insertion of Holy Spirit thoughts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. As you sit, um, who was it? Who was Mary? Mary's husband? Joseph. The Bible says Joseph thought to put her away, break off the engagement. He was about to do the wrong thing. And the Bible says, and while he meditated, while he thought, an angel appeared and says, do not be afraid. Sometimes you're just about to embark upon the wrong thing, but because you're a person of meditation, God uses that time to redirect. Amen? Arise, Peter. Kill and eat. And it appeared three times. Peter was about to disobey God. But you know what the Bible says? And while he thought on the vision, the Spirit said, Behold, three men are downstairs looking for you. From Cornelius' house, from a pig's house, in Jewish terms. A Gentile, you know, unclean. Right? So, I want to encourage you, keep on thinking. Amen? Uh, I wrote on Facebook, meditation is your medication. Meditation is the soul's medication. Okay? So, medicate meditatively. Right? Have you taken your medicine today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Medicate meditatively. Amen.